Welcome to another episode of We Are Carbon. I'm Helen Fisher and I'm joined by Richard Dunn, founder of The Harmony Project, to explore how tweaking children's education could not only offer them better engagement with their learning, but also help them to make better sense of the world that they're a part of. Often, fear around climate change is motivated by the state that we're leaving things in for the next generation and the generations thereafter. And the more this potentially distant concern becomes something we're actually witnessing in our day-to-day, not just through stories of melting ice caps, but in all of the uncertainties that we're surrounded by, be it in our economy and cost-of-living crisis, supply chain issues and severe loss to biodiversity. It's clear we do need to approach things differently to ensure a beautiful future for our children. Many of the solutions that we discuss on this show require a bit of unlearning or shifting of the mindset from what we're used to. So I became really interested in the work of the Harmony Project from the basis of integrating this whole system way of seeing things from a very early age. Perhaps our children could soon be showing us the way forward. As head teacher in a state primary school and inspired by the book titled Harmony by the now King Charles III, Richard began developing and implementing a more natural curriculum within the national curriculum. He's since founded the Harmony Project and is integrating this approach into a variety of school settings in the UK and across the globe. And I'm delighted to have been able to discuss with him the principles of Harmony and the inspirations and challenges of this ambitious project. New episodes of this podcast are added every other Tuesday, and they're available in both video and audio-only formats. Find them on YouTube and your favourite podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date. Right, let's get stuck in. Welcome, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to, to have the opportunity to discuss the Harmony Project with you. If you could maybe kick us off by giving a bit of an introduction to yourself and maybe also the inspirations that that brought you to this idea of bringing a nature-connected focus to education. Well, Helen, it's great to be with you today. Uh, yes, I'm delighted to be able to share a little bit of a background to this work of the Harmony Project. I think if I went right back to my early years, I had, as most people do, quite an academic education. But the thing that I loved most was my time in nature. I had and have two brothers, and we would often go down into the woods and we would spend time there together. And uh, in that world, you were able to go to the woods and you didn't have a mobile phone and you just went back when you were hungry. But it just kind of brought me into that world of nature and I absolutely loved it. And then we would go on holiday to the Yorkshire Dales at Easter to see old family friends and we'd go down to Cornwall to see family friends in the summer. And it was just always about being outside and exploring the awe and wonder of the natural world. And so I think for me, that's a really key part of this work that we need children to experience and enjoy being in nature. And if they do, then they're more likely. There's a lot of evidence, I think, to say that if you have those early childhood experiences, then it matters to you more. And certainly I see that in people that I work with, that the ones who have that real drive and passion for nature protection and a more sustainable way of life, they've come from that experience. So I think that was really the starting point for, for it. And then as I went through my own journey of education and then into the world of work and became a, a teacher and ultimately a head teacher, 
uh, I was always interested in how do you find the right balance between that academic classroom-based way of learning and something that feels more real life applied and beyond the classroom into the world of nature. Yeah, that that's really lovely. It's just this complete beauty of those moments of being a child in nature that that I suppose we detach children from through this sort of really fixed education. And I, I find that it must be it's very interesting to learn how that integrates into the classroom, how you can keep that alive and keep that part of the motivation and the engagement for the children. Um, I think before we talk too much about sort of integrating it into the classroom itself, it would be fantastic to learn about the principles that the Harmony Project is based upon. Yes, absolutely. So I was really fascinated by this because I think all of us are trying to work out how to live more sustainably. So we're trying to look at where the problems are, where the issues are, whether it's plastic pollution and waste in the oceans or you know, climate change and fossil fuel use. So we're looking at ways of fixing those problems and that's absolutely fine. That's what we should be doing. But the message of Harmony is saying, actually we need to understand first and foremost, what does a sustainable system look like? What are the features of a system that can keep going and is in effect a healthy system? So these principles of Harmony, which have come from a, a book written by the then uh, Prince of Wales, now King Charles III, they were, the book was an exploration of, of that understanding of harmony. And harmony means joined together or connected. So when we understand things in harmony, we understand things that work well together, that work well in relationship. It's a relational thing. So when we look at an ecosystem in nature, or even when we look at our own bodies, they don't work in isolation. They work in a very joined up way. So I was really interested when reading this book in what these principles were and how they could be translated into a, a way of understanding them that's really accessible, particularly for children, but to be honest, for all of us. <clears throat> so in answer to your question, the principles are as follows. The first principle is this principle of interdependence. I wondered whether it should be interconnection, but actually the dependence bit is key, that they rely on each other. There's a need for uh, not just a connection, but a, a, a relationship, as I said earlier. So we want children to grow up learning projects of learning that explore this idea of systems. How do systems work? What happens if you take something out of a system or you break that system or in some way undermine it, which is in effect what we're doing right now uh, in terms of nature? Um, how do you make sure that that system remains healthy and sustainable. So we were really looking at that as a starting point, you know, this principle of interdependence being the, the really key message of harmony. The second principle is the principle of cycles and the cycle. And of course, if we were to write a list now and we looked at cycles, we would think about cycles of day and night. We would think about seasonal cycles. We'd think about life cycles of plants and animals. And we can keep going into solar system cycles and, um, you know, the, the lunar cycle in relationship to the Earth, which is a fascinating cycle. 
So we've got all these cycles in a micro and a macro form, and they're all teaching us the same thing, that natural systems are cyclical, and when they're cyclical, they can keep going. So at its simplest level for a child, if you understand cycles, you understand a sustainable system. <clears throat> so we wanted them to really get that. And year on year, looking at cycles in different ways is a really fascinating thing. And they start to interpret this sense of a cycle and what happens in the stage of a cycle uh, in lots of different ways. The third principle is diversity. So we know and we hopefully all appreciate diversity in each other and allowing for difference and valuing difference and celebrating difference. But of course, in the wider world, we're looking at biodiversity. Biodiversity is a is in a pretty bad way at the moment. Uh, it's really struggling. Our, our data is telling us that biodiversity is is plummeting, is falling dramatically. It's probably falling more than anything because of our farming systems. And you know, we're talking quite a lot at the moment about this idea of planet farm rather than planet Earth. That actually our our Earth has become so much a farm that that's the dominant system of our landscapes. So of course we've got rewilding um, campaigns going on right now and rewilding is absolutely something we should be doing. But I think what for me is interesting is how do we create farming systems that actually work in harmony with nature so that the biodiversity isn't a set aside, it's part of the system itself. So there's a lot of debate going on around that right now. And it's a, it's a fascinating one. We may come back to it. So that's the third principle. The fourth principle is adaptation. One, looking at adaptation in nature, what enables a species in nature to work in its place, in its system, but also about our adaptations. What have we done in the past to live in particular places, in particular ways? And what does it mean for our future? How do we adapt to be more sustainable into the future? So it's a really good question for children. What do we want to change and why do we want to do it? so that we really think about the adaptation message. The fifth principle is health. So what does a system need to be healthy with reference often to the other principles? Um, and how are we going to be healthy? Ourselves, individually, collectively, and in relation to the world. So just exploring all sorts of ways of looking at health, lenses in to health, because of course, for all of us, it's more than one thing. Health is a number of different things working in balance. And I think the other message around harmony is this idea of balance, that when something's in harmony, it is in balance. So how do we find that in our lives? The final principle that we use to frame projects of learning is this principle of oneness. So on one side, it's about seeing everything in a holistic way, seeing the wholeness of things. Um, and I suppose therefore bringing all the other principles into, into one. Um, but it's also a sort of deeper sense of finding peace and it's almost a spiritual dimension to this work so however we understand it where do we find time to be at one with the world to find our sense of peace in the world and that if we can come from that place then maybe things like the wars that we're so aware of and the war in ukraine is the obvious example right now uh, we can we can change that um if we live with peace in our hearts, literally. So <clears throat> it will look at how ancient civilizations, traditions, religions, indigenous peoples have always understood this sense of being at one with the world and, uh, 
And it's a really important part, I think, of children's own well-being. So they're the six principles. We have one final one, which is geometry and understanding the patterns that, that work in the world that create this sense of order. For all that there's chaos in chaotic times, there is an order to life. And what does that look like in the patterns we see in the world? So we have six principles to frame six projects of learning each year. And then one principle which threads through to create, I suppose, beauty um, and beautiful work. Yeah, it's all really very much music to my ears because it's there's so much packaged into those those seven principles. And I suppose geometry kind of encompasses the idea of all of them because it's it's that idea of you can sort of repeat those principles throughout different aspects of our life and different aspects of nature. And the idea of really making these integral to a child's education is a very beautiful, beautiful thing because when we think of the problems that we're facing um, around sustainability or climate change, like you say, peace and war, there's, there's this idea, I suppose, in the way that we currently learn that can feel very detaching. It's very, there's the problem we need to solve. And really what this is saying is we are part of this problem. We, we belong, we're interconnected, we are belonging to the system. And if we can recognize our place in that system, then we can sort of inherently solve those problems just through our existence, I suppose, and through the way that we perceive the world and interact with it. But they seem very different in terms of the way that that teachers, particularly the schools currently approach education and to move and to shift into this direction. So is sort of taking on this harmony education, is that a radically different experience <laughs> for the teachers in the classroom? It shouldn't be. And we don't want it to be too different because I think if it becomes too different, then it's too much of a challenge. And, you know, you could literally scare people off. So what we're trying to say is it's it's just a different way of doing what you do. So we would, I think first and foremost, we would frame the learning around the project, the theme, and then we would link it to a principle. You could link it to more than one, but probably for, from a child perspective, it's easy and easier to have one principle and one project. So we're then starting to look at that project through that lens of the principle and then a lot of it is around asking slightly different questions so our big message at the harmony project is most of learning in terms of nature is learning about nature what can we learn about it uh, if we're in a place where there's an encouragement to learn in nature then there is a learning in nature perspective but we're saying the third element to that is learning from nature but actually nature is a great teacher and what can nature teach us? And coming to your point just now, also then to understand that we are nature. We're not separate, disconnected from it. We are it. In fact, it was a really big message in that book of harmony written by the then Prince of Wales was this understanding that we are nature. So if we come from that place of, of learning from nature and seeing that we are nature, then our whole worldview changes. And that's what we want people to see. So as a process of planning for that, we're asking teachers and giving examples, lots of examples of 
what are the sort of questions you might ask around that particular principle if i give you one example we've just been looking at the solar system as a project of learning so every week's question lead question for that six-week project has a reference to cycles so cycles of seasons cycles of day and night cycles of lunar of the lunar cycle um, the different cycles of different planets and the interrelationship between those cycles so as you may know the orbit of earth and venus around the sun creates a five petal flower in its orbiting and it's an amazing thing it's the same shape as a tiny flower in the garden so we're just asking those questions around cycles if we did health we might ask all the different ways in which we understand how we can be healthy so at its simplest level that's what it's about and we're encouraging therefore teachers to just rethink things and look at things through a particular harmony lens yeah and for the children do the lessons themselves become fairly i suppose more interactive more creative more um sort of out and about in nature or is there a, a variety and and a lot of it can still be very familiar and very sort of sat at the desk learning from from the text absolutely it could be that and we're very aware that for many teachers it's not easy to get outside um one because they may not have outdoor facilities that enable that um you know they've got limited space outdoors and to go off-site is not easy to do and of course there's a confidence factor you know some teachers understand we are not very confident to take their children off-site because of maybe behavioral issues or management issues around that that group that class uh, <clears throat> so you can absolutely teach it inside i think what we're trying to do all the time is to develop this sense of inquiry and the word inquiry means the seeking for truth so when you inquire about something you're really going deep into it you're trying to really understand it in quite a, a deep way so we're always building this sense of curiosity of questioning of inquiring into what is this telling us i think i think it's an indigenous message around two questions which what do you see and what is it telling you and you could run a whole life of learning around those two questions in relation to what do you see here and what is it telling you and then building from that so we're very realistic about how much of that learning can be outside we would obviously encourage it wherever possible but actually it's really about the application of this learning into a real life context yeah it's it seems to me like an awful lot of the differences in in that sort of experience for the child it's not so much what you're teaching but how they feel about what they're learning and that whole experience for themselves particularly i suppose the relevance the relevance of what they're learning to what they learned yesterday or what they're learning to the wider world and their future and their life outside of the classroom so i can imagine it's very motivating for the children for them themselves it's much more engaging way of learning and is that itself um sort of part of sort of getting the cogs moving to to bringing this into a school because of course motivation for the children is secondary to motivation of the actual leadership of the school and taking those decisions to to change the way that they do things absolutely and you know we're 
quite a difficult time right now in education, I think. I mean, today, as we record, we've got teacher strikes. Yes, they're about pay, but they're also about workloads. They're about, you know, a system that's been pretty demoralizing for a while now. So we are very conscious of that. You know, we, we're here, part of our role, I think, is to support teachers and educators who, who work so hard you know, I've, I was a head teacher for 18 years and I, I see how hard teachers work and, you know, and, and all those people around them, the support staff and so on. So <clears throat> we absolutely need to be there to support that. But I think it is, it is an approach that motivates people because it makes sense. And I look at a lot of learning at the moment and it's very disconnected and siloed and disjointed and, if it carries on that way, it ultimately becomes rather meaningless. And you just feel like you're just doing work and learning stuff to be assessed and tested. And that's not a good way to learn. The learning needs to be about an intrinsic sense of, I want to learn because I love learning. So this approach absolutely does that. And for me, the, the real litmus test is, is how children respond to it. Obviously you want staff and the teachers to be enthused by it. And their enthusiasm will hopefully translate into how the children engage with with that learning. So, yes, for me, the the test is to look at children and see how much they're loving their learning. And what I saw over many years was that this way of learning absolutely um, captures their imagination, um, makes them makes them want to love to to explore it more. So that's that's the real driver behind all of this. Of course, on one side, we're looking at big issues of sustainability, climate change, biodiversity loss, but actually at a very practical day-to-day -day level, it's just about great learning. Yeah, which is um, obviously such a different experience, isn't it? To be engaged and so enthusiastic to learn or to have a child that's really dragging the heels and they're, they're really not not excited, then, then I suppose for the teachers that in itself is... Um, quite a, it's quite a blessing to have a, a, a room full of excited children um, so so I can yeah that, <laughs> I imagine that's rare in 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 many cases yeah I mean I think hopefully there are lots of great lessons going on out there and certainly you know teachers want to make the lessons as engaging as possible but the reality also is that there's a lot to do there's a lot of accountability, a lot of assessing, and you've only got so many hours in the day. And I think what we're trying to do is provide resources. We've got a webinar tomorrow where we're showcasing some of our resources that really say to teachers, yes, you've got certain schemes that you're using. You've got certain um, reference points in terms of the resources that you might be accessing, but we can offer you something that brings in a real sustainability agenda that references things like nature connection and and we're trying to make it easy for teachers to then use that so if we can do that and engage more teachers in that approach then hopefully the knock-on is that those children will be really excited about what they're doing yeah yeah wonderful and this whole kind of approach that you're taking ties in so integrally to the idea of being regenerative and on a whole. So everything that my work encompasses, it's not necessarily focused at children, but every sort of step at the way we're looking at very similar principles. They might be worded differently, they might be approached slightly differently, but looking at everything as being interconnected 
and sort of taking a whole system view that that sort of marries side by side. And the challenge of all of this tends to come down to mindset. It's not so much that it's difficult for the information to be grasped, but that it's it's like a shift in the way that we view the world. And if you're introducing that, do you find it really is integral to what you're teaching to get that sort of mindset involved in the children from very early on? And that, that helps them to then take that throughout their education as opposed to coming sort of, say, in year six and starting to introduce these principles? Do you try to to bring a curriculum that goes early years right throughout? It really does need to be that because I think what you're doing then, if you take it from early years to year six and hopefully then into secondary school, ideally that would be the case and, and on into adult life. What you're doing is you're revisiting these principles in different contexts and you're building an understanding. And then by the end of a phase or a stage of learning, they have lots of really meaningful experiences that have helped them to understand what these principles look like. So it's, it's really a philosophy for life. It's about saying these principles can inform how we want to live. And our biggest challenge now is to live sustainably. And if we have a reference point for what is it that enables us to live sustainably, i.e. these principles of harmony, then you have something that you can work with. So <clears throat> our hope is that by the end of their learning journey with harmony, they have such a great understanding of these principles and they're not contentious. They're just observations on how life works. So I would, I've never had anyone say to me, yes, well, I don't know that I agree with you. This is all fine. But actually people, as I think you've already said, you know, they just go, yes, this makes sense. Um, I can see this. So it's not rocket science. It's, it's stuff that we all kind of know. And actually, it's just them putting that back into the into the mix and saying, if we can feed this into how we think about the world, the mindset from which we see the world um, and then act, that's really key. So it absolutely is a mindset. There's a lovely school in India called the Riverside School in Ahmedabad, which is where Gandhi's ashram is. And they've taken that be the change message about getting students to really apply their learning to all sorts of different issues within their world. So they often take the learning beyond the classroom, go into their city, into their communities, um, into their world. And when you speak to the teachers, it's really interesting because they say we've done lots of unlearning. So we've been trained in one way. And when we come here, we unlearn that and then we learn a different way. And for me, that's probably the biggest challenge in this work is to help people move from one mindset into another so that they look at things and understand things and then develop learning around that understanding, which is aligned to this different mindset, this mindset of connection and interconnectedness. Yeah, that's very beautiful. And I, I can see that there's just so many different opportunities to explore and experience how it might kind of come through um, in the day-to-day. -day. And you touched on this at the beginning, talking about Planet Farm. And it's interesting to me that the the ideas behind the Harmony Project, the sort of the birth of the project, was in some way connected or hand-in-hand -hand with the Sustainable Food Trust. Mm -hmm. And and they're, they're, they're very integral, kind of looking at the way that we farm 
and looking after the planet and trying to, I suppose, approach that enormous challenge of how do we provide for our needs without destroying nature. And yeah. so it would be fantastic if we could sort of touch on that topic a little bit more and, and sort of understand if, it, it, does this come into the work and the education, the, the, the food side of things? Where does our food come from? Is that integral to what you're, you're teaching? Very much. And I think if I look at it in two ways, it would be as follows. When I was at school as a head teacher, I really wanted us to think about where our food came from. So that was on, on a practical level within the school, in the grounds, and we had a bit of, of land with a playing field and so on. We wanted to grow a lot of food, not just a raised bed, although that's a great starting point. We wanted to, to grow f food in quite a considerable quantity. And we planted fruit orchards, local apple orchards, pears, plums, etc. And we grew lots of food and it was all organic. We used no pesticides, no chemicals. Uh, it was a really healthy system. What was interesting there was we also had a beehive and we had these trees with the blossom for the fruit and we had the food growing in them in the growing areas so we started to see over time how everything joined together so the bees would be pollinating you know the fruit trees and so on uh, and it was lovely so it sort of built this abundance of 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 well-being and and health in nature uh, and therefore in the food which we were able to feed into the kitchen um we also <clears throat> wanted to make sure that our food was coming from sustainable sources. So we were really looking at local food, seasonal food, and increasingly organic food. And remarkably, in a state primary school, we reached 90% organic. And that was through being really creative around waste, waste management, around uh, having less of certain ingredients, but better quality ingredients. And uh, we even did things like moving from desserts to starters because we could save money on using less ingredients and therefore improve the quality so we did lots of creative thinking and had a fantastic chef i think more broadly in coming to the sustainable food trust i mean they're a fantastic organization led by uh, patrick holden who's a very dear friend of mine and the sustainable food trust is is really doing a similar thing in food and farming to what we're discussing in education and as you've highlighted they're looking at these principles of harmony uh, in relation to how we grow our food, uh, the farming systems and so on. So if we took elements of that, you know, we have a lot of farming systems that are not rotational. So they're using the same space, the same land, the same soil to grow the same crops again and again. And they're pumping the soil with nitrogen fertilizer to reinvigorate the soil so that it can grow again but it's basically exhausted soil and it's depleted i mean it's not got um much um, biodiversity in it much life in it uh, and that's the model that we're using because you know for understandable reasons we we want cheap food but of course that system is is just repeating uh, a system that is ultimately le leaving the soil if it weren't artificially in in, in enriched if you like with the nitrogen uh, would be very very poor quality so they would look at a cyclical system a rotational system where you're um you know working the land through rotations um and um nitrogen fixing through you know 
clover on the fields and so on. So their message would be very much along the same lines. If you're looking at adaptation, let's look at landscapes. What's the best way to farm that land? Um, and how do we bring local communities together around the food that they're, uh, they're growing and, and really focusing in on, on local food and local economies around food? I mean, it's fascinating. You could take a plate of food at lunchtime in a school, in any any place and say, all right, let's look at every element on this plate and let's find out where it's come from and the system that's produced it. So, yes, we're trying to now build an education program around food and farming. So we are on one side asking our children to really start to learn about how to grow food, but on the other to really question where their food's coming from to try and hone in a bit more on this idea of could it be more local is it in season and what are the are the systems that are producing it can we make sure that some of that food is coming from more regenerative systems it's a massive challenge because the incentives are not there at the moment for farmers to transition unless they're in a, a very privileged environment to be able to do it so of course you know you're you've got to, to have a business reality around this um and i think there's more that needs to be done definitely to incentivize the best practice or move us towards better practices and to in some way penalize what we think are wrong practices you know our our world right now needs a lot of healing and a lot of um, restoration and we need to be bringing things back our biodiversity needs to come back but our sense of well-being in our landscapes needs to be coming back too. So yeah, it's a really fascinating journey we're on, working together very much in partnership. Again, the message of harmony, connecting things together. Yeah, and food itself, it's just such a wonderful topic to focus education around. I suppose you can touch on science and health and history and community and geometry and all of those topics can very beautifully tie into this this, uh, this is just what nature is, isn't it? This cycle of bringing us the food from from the soil and, and giving us that abundance that leads to health and well-being. And it sounds absolutely wonderful and beautiful, the achievement that you made to have the school with its own orchards and such a high percentage of the food there being organic. It's, it's uh, you know, I kind of want to say congratulations for that because I can imagine that's no mean feat. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. And uh... And it was a big challenge. <clears throat> and I think this is where, you know, the leadership around it. And um, we had the most fantastic chef called Georgia. And she really had such passion for, for good food coming from the right, the right source, you know, the provenance of it. And she wasn't prepared to compromise that. So we had many conversations around what do we need to do to get where we want to be? And to showcase it, I mean, you know, it's a state primary school. It wasn't in any way a privileged position. We wanted to show this is this is a reality of any school. And it needs courage. It needs commitment and hard work. Uh, but it is possible. And it needs this creativity. I think that's really key. Um, I'm very keen that school leaders really see that they actually can be influential in these areas. They can change things by, you know, in a very positive way, questioning what's happening now and finding opportunities to, to make it better. 
you know, going back to those two questions again, what do we see uh, and what is it telling us? So I, I really hope, and we have got some events coming up later this year, where we're bringing school leaders together with people from the food and farming world to help them understand the role that they can play in, in this transition towards more regenerative agroecological farms. Yeah, when when you're talking about that, it makes me recognise that the motivation for the teachers and the leadership can be very similar to that for the children, because everything you've described, that creativity, that re-engagement with the fact that what they're doing has purpose, has place, it's it's actually got an outcome that they can see that they are bringing something new and that they're making a difference. I think that that it just feels very rewarding and um you know bringing creativity into any workplace it's it's much more motivating than uh just you know really getting your head down and feeling the stress of trying to get all the the boxes ticked so i think you know it, it seems to just sort of encompass so much when when we think of principles they can be very um in themselves sort of that there's like an overview of these topics and trying to bring that into the practical everyday place can you know that's almost a different conversation this is the motivation this is the vision and then this is the everyday practice and when we think of education I, I imagine it's very challenging in that it's varied throughout the UK there's different curriculums and approaches and then of course across the globe that that must vary enormously I don't have that experience myself but what you're doing is bringing these ideas not just to one location but throughout the world and I wonder if there's anything that the variety of situation and the different challenges that you're um, faced with that that actually offers learning and um, offers a sense of where it's really well suited? I think we start always by listening. So let's let's look at this country, this place that we're working with, and let's really listen to what's happening here. And through that, to, to try and then work out how this approach to learning, the harmony approach to learning, can fit into that. In some countries, it fits really easily. I mean, if I give you an example, Costa Rica, has a curriculum, a national curriculum, which is almost like a natural curriculum. That's what we would want to see, a natural curriculum, a curriculum of nature. So <clears throat> they can see lots of opportunities to bring this idea of nature-based learning into their way of working. So we've got a lovely project going on there. And in fact, their first focus has been on this principle of interdependence. So we've done a project already on the mangroves. They're currently doing bees. We're then looking at their tropical dry forest um, at community and interdependence within community. And then their final one is on, on the oceans. So we've got work developing there, which seems to fit very nicely. If you look at, uh, I'll give you another sort of slightly um, uh, exotic location, but if you look at someone like the Maldives, so we're doing some work with the Maldives. Now, they have a curriculum that has a strong sense of sustainability. Their issue is actually teacher capacity to do it. So building their skills so that they can really deliver it because they tend, from what I've heard and understood, they tend to default back to a very old fashioned or traditional way of teaching, very sort of teacher led, not particularly engaging, to be honest, sometimes I think a bit boring. Um, so how do you help the teachers to 
rework their lessons so that they have a vitality to them. They basically come to life. Um, I think if you look closer to home, Wales now, based on its brilliant Wellbeing of Future Generations Act, has a new curriculum for Wales and it's much more open. So it means schools can really adapt it and uh, explore their curriculum around what makes sense for their, <clears throat> their school and their locality. So I really take my hat off to them and you know love what's happening in Wales. I think here in, in England, um, where we are right now, there is a need to evolve, evolve things. I think the curriculum needs refreshing. I think it needs to have this, this sense of sustainability and the nature connection bit right at the heart of it. And as we've been discussing, you know, it's not difficult to do. It's a rethinking, a reimagining, but it is possible. And my hope is that, you know, however, however hard or difficult it is in that particular context, where are there opportunities to, to shift things and change things? It's not throwing out that funny phrase, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's not about doing that. It's about saying, let's just rethink it and bring in these messages and this approach so that it has more, more purpose. And I think just to, to draw that message together, a curriculum is a journey. It means journey. It's a course from cours and, and courier to run and so on. So we need to see learning as a journey and then it has purpose. So one of the things we're very keen on is, is some kind of what we call great work, a celebration at the end of the learning. So children know that at the end of this six week or seven week or five week block, they're going to in some way share or celebrate what they've done. It's not an add on. It's the learning itself brought to life. And if we can get that right, then our children will always have a sense of creative purpose in what they're doing. And that that's kind of what we all want in our lives, isn't it? We want to feel we're, we're going somewhere, we have a purpose, and we can be creative through that journey. Absolutely, very much so. And that, that, that drives things forward um, in such a wonderful way. Everything you've spoke about here, it, I, I think you've said it yourself, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to this project, it's huge. Um, have you got any particular focuses or ambitions for this particular time that you'd like to sort of highlight? <laughs> well, I think on a big scale, I would love this idea of harmony to be everywhere in the world because it really does make sense. And its adaptations and applications will be different everywhere. And that's the beauty of it. That's the richness of it. At a very simple level, it's about a starting point. So in fact, in the Harmony Teacher's Guide that I wrote and probably needs updating now because we've developed things further, but one of the sections in it is starting points. So if I give you a simple example, a lot of learning still is learning objective based. So you have a learning objective for the lesson and it's to do something. And often if you go into a classroom, you'll see the learning objective on the board and it has that statement. If you shift that to a question, <clears throat> and in question that actually directly engages those students or those children, it immediately brings, um, brings it to life that much more. So I'm really interested in 
if we take this model and there are, as you say, there are lots of different dimensions to it and there's a lot to do. Let's just boil it down to a starting point that for you makes sense. So, you know, referencing the principles and the projects and the sustainable practice at the end of it. Let's just take your themes, your projects of learning and let's link them to a principle. That's a great starting point. Some schools say, yeah, we'll do that every half term through the year. Some schools say we're going to give ourselves time I'm working with a lovely school in Bromley at the moment. They want to give themselves time to do one principle for a whole term, really establish it, get the whole school to develop it in different ways in different year groups and then re reflect on it and evaluate it. So there's always this sense of trying things, playing with things, being playful and then evaluating how did that go? And where do we want to take it next? And we need to give it time. I mean, I didn't do it overnight with my school. And um, and it any any good work will take time. So that's an important factor too. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, in anything. It's it the, the best change are the ones that's that's worth developing and evolving as 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 we go through them. This, um, if, if people are really interested in bringing this into a school, who are the actual key players that can get involved and how do they go about making it happen? It's a very good question. And I think we would say that our approach to learning is for anyone and everyone. So if you're a homeschooler, a parent working with children at home, it could work for you. If you're a school leader, obviously you could have a big influence on your school in bringing into your school context this way of learning and and reimagining things around this if you're a teacher or a trainee teacher just interested in it you like the idea of it then you might want to start it in a very small way in the way you think about your learning and your lessons in your class and of course in different places so wherever you are in the uk around the world um how might it work for you and that's the conversation. So we're really interested in hearing from people, um, you know, either through through us directly or through going to our website. There's an info at theharmonyproject.org.uk that you can click on and and then make a touch, uh, getting contact with us. So there's all that all aspects like that in terms of guidance. What we see is that some people get it very quickly and really run with it, and others are less sure. And need guidance and an element of hand-holding to help them work through where they want to go and how they're going to do it. So at all levels it can work and um, I think what we've seen is with just this blurring of the line it's not something that has to be here but not here. Um, as we see in nature everything connects it's all one whole so let's just blur it out and just see where it can go and I think what we're noticing is there's a real journey with this. Um, so it's starting to be explored in, a, in the business world. Uh, we are doing some really interesting work uh, with a prison on this work because often those prisoners have had a very bad or negative experience, not always, but often of their own education. So it gives it a, a new way of looking at things. So, yeah, lots of different ways of interpreting it. And, and it does work um, in many different contexts. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you're, you're taking it from the classroom and, and spreading it as, as far and wide as people have the imagination to, to consider, I suppose. And that's beautiful. It takes on its own life. And 
It's been a huge, huge pleasure to, to speak with you and to learn so much about this. And I'd very much encourage people to, to, to go to the website and, and learn a little bit more if it takes their interest. So I'll make sure that we've got links included in the description. And for now, I just want to say a huge thank you and uh, best of luck with everything as you continue this journey. Thank you so much, Helen. It's been a great pleasure to be with you. And as you've just said, it is a, it is a journey and, and I don't think we quite know where it will go and where it will end up. Uh, but it's a fascinating journey and we're really enjoying, <laughs> enjoying the experience of it. And um, if anyone's interested in contacting us, they are most welcome to do so. So many thanks to you. And thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Carbon. New episodes are added every other Tuesday, so don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date. It's a huge help to the show if you'd like to add a thumbs up or a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And let's keep figuring this all out together.